Okay, we're beginning now the final section of the five sections of Tanya, entitled Kuntris Achron, the final section, the final part of Tanya, uh, which is comprised of nine essays. And the first five of those nine are all analyses into more Kabbalistic extensions of what's written in the first part of Tanya. So the first essay that we're doing tonight is actually based on something in chapter 40 of Tanya. I'm bringing in, again, a more Kabbalistic level and dimensions to this idea. So in chapter 40, the Rebbe explains that love and fear of God are wings. The wings, on one hand, enable the bird to fly. can't fly without wings. But at the same time, they're not the essence. And if you cut off the wings, it, it's still kosher. It's still a healthy bird, the head and the body being still intact. So this dual dimension of wings also connects to the supernal union that are affected through Torah and commandment. Love and awe, the wings, elevate the Torah and the commandments to that spiritual level where the particular union is taking place. And at that level, it's revealed within the Torah, within the commandments, this enormous divine illumination that could not be revealed in the physical world. So on one hand, the love and fear aren't causing this union. It's the act of the Torah, the act of the commandment that's causing the union. On the other hand, specifically through the love and the fear, is the Torah or the commandment elevated to a place it couldn't go on its own, to have this supernal union. So that's brought about in Chapter 40, that duality of the two dimensions of the wings of love and fear. And now we're going to discuss this with some more Kabbalistic understanding. So it says that when a Jew is studying Tyra, he's reading the Tyra, and he's reading the stories in the Tyra. And when he's reading the stories in the Torah, he's connected to God's supernal, seminal wisdom. So that seems surprising. Because if we're saying you're studying the Torah intellectually, we understand you're bound up with God's seminal wisdom because the seminal wisdom is the Torah, is the laws of Torah, is the rationale of all the laws. But you're not studying legal issues in the Torah. You're reading the stories of the Torah. Now, of course, we know that every single word of Torah and all the stories of the Torah allude to very high spiritual matters in the high world, but you don't know any of that. You're just reading the story. So if you're just reading the story, how are you connecting to God's seminal wisdom? So to understand this, we're going to bring in a Kabbalistic source, which explains that just as when a man is engaged in study below, so too is the likeness of the supernal man above engaged in Torah study. What we mean by this likeness is the source of our soul, that the source of our soul is rooted in the divine attributes above, which in the Kabbalistic language is called the supernal man, because the ten divine attributes are called the parts of the faith of this man. So when mortal man below is learning Torah, 
the source of his soul above, which Kabbalistically we're calling the supernal man, those ten divine attributes, are also affected and they're also learning Torah. So even if you're, as we said, just, so to speak, reading the story in the Torah, and you don't know any of the deep meaning behind the literal storyline, your source, that likeness above, is learning this passage and really understands it and really is connecting to God's seminal wisdom. So therefore, you are as well. So based on this level of understanding, you're sitting, you're not even moving your lips, your eyes are just reading, your mind is occupied with the story. So according to this explanation, your connection to God's seminal wisdom is by virtue of your likeness above, of the source of your soul above, not your actual study. But since you're studying above, the source of your soul is also engaged in studying, and there, there's a connection to seminal wisdom, which trickles down to you as well. But if you actually aren't only thinking those words of Tyra, but you're actually articulating them audibly, then your voice is actually ascending with those letters to the worlds above, any of the four spiritual worlds, depending on the intent with which you're learning, and connecting, therefore, to the seminal wisdom directly. So if a person is learning with absolute nullification to God, and he's, again, he's reading the storyline. He does not know the deeper Kabbalistic meanings. He does not know the hidden wisdoms. He only knows the storyline. But he's reading the storyline with absolute nullification to God. His words, this Torah, sends all the way to the highest world, to the world of being. And if he's, again, this is if he's saying the word that's articulated, that's audible, he's moving his lips and it's audible. If his audible speech of this storyline of the Torah is compelled by an intellectually generated love and fear of God, because of his thoughts that led him to love God and love him to fear God, therefore he's reading these words. His voice and those words and that Torah ascend to the second highest world, also very, very high, to the world of creation. And there he's fused with a godliness on that level. If he's learning it because of a natural, intuitive emotion for God, as we have in our soul, an innate love, an innate awe, then his voice with these words is going to rise to the third highest world, to the world of formation. And if he's reading the words without even that, but just with a basic acceptance of the oath of God, God wants me to read this, and that's why I'm doing so, then his words will ascend to the lowest of the four spiritual worlds, but still a spiritual world, to the world of descent. And fuse with the godliness there. That's all if he's actually saying the words. But if he's not, if he's just thinking the words, then it's not going to be his voice rising anywhere. And again, we go back to the, the first option, that since he's learning, his source of his soul above and the supernal man is also learning and they're truly connecting to seminal wisdom, and through that, he has this connection as well. So we see from this how enormously significant it is both to articulate the words 
in other words, getting into the realm of reality action of our world as the movement of lips is considered action. And at the same time also, from the example we just brought, we see the significance of intent because based on the quality of your intent, the quality of your love, the quality of your fear, that's where those words ascended to. So this all connects to another piece of Zohar that says that thinking achieves nothing. That there's no beneficial effect if you're not actually doing the deed. Now again, remember we said that if you're thinking these words of Tyra but not actually saying them, it is arousing the source of your soul above and through that you do have this connection to God's seminal wisdom. But in another place of Zohar, again, it says thinking achieves nothing without you know, again, we need the action. We need the movement of the lips. This Zaher is actually referring to inappropriate thinking. So there's a little bit positive because if you're thinking something inappropriate on the Sabbath, but you don't actually say it, nothing happens. But if you say it, it's a it's a big problem. But the same way in the negative, it's also true in the positive. So if you have these positive thoughts, like you're learning the Torah in your mind, without actually uttering them in your lips, it's not having this positive effect. Because when we do the physical act, which includes the movement of our lips as a physical act, it's considered an arousal from below. And the arousal from below elicits from God his response, the arousal from above, the response from above. So, and this is true in the positive, this is true in the negative. So, if so, if this is what's clearly written in the Zohar, that thought accomplishes nothing if it's without an accompanying action, how does that reconcile to what we said before? That if you're thinking the narratives of the Torah, you're causing your likeness in the supernal man to study Torah, and thereby you're connected with God's seminal wisdom. So, the answer I've explained. That the Zahar means thought has no effect in drawing down illuminations from above. Because since there wasn't an arousal from above, above, below, there's no response from above to draw down the illuminations, which is a central reason for our being here. But thought does have a very vital effect above, because as we just discussed in our example, your thoughts, the quality of your intent, the quality of your love and fear, elevate your Torah study, elevate the performance of your commandments, and affect the supernal union that's happening above between your Torah, your commandments, and God. So when the Zohar said thing accomplishes nothing, again, that means there's no reaction above to bring down this flow of light to our world. Because if you think without an accompanying action, the thought remains above. It increases the illumination above, but it doesn't bring down the godliness below. And of course, it's very, very, very important to bring down the godliness below. And that's why if you think the words of the Shema prayer, you don't verbalize them, you didn't fulfill your obligation. Because your soul came into this world to draw godliness into this world. That's the purpose of our being here. Our soul is perfect before it entered this world. We're not in this world to rectify our soul. We're in this world to rectify the body, to rectify the animal soul, to rectify the world by bringing God's illumination into this dark world. But conversely, 
if we're talking about elevating our Torah that we've done and our commandment that we've done, then the thought is very significant because the positive intent coming from the quality of love and the quality of awe, this is what allows our action to fly upward to God. But a person could question this and say it seems it's a contradiction because it's said in the Zohar that we quoted before that the sound of Torah study pierces the firmament even when the Torah studies without love and fear. Because we know that it says in the negative, it says if a person is speaking idle and mundane words on the Sabbath, those words ascend and cause a blemish above. So obviously, holy words, how much more so are they going to ascend? Even when there's no love and fear. So that seems to contradict what the Rebbe is saying here, because the Rebbe is saying here that the love and the fear, the intent, that's what's determining the quality of the ascension of our act. But based on that sentence in the Zohar, based on that reference to the Zohar, even if there's no love and fear, our act is going to rise. So how does the Rebbe resolve that? So what he says is, rising is true. If a person served God, love, I'm sorry, you did the act of the commandment, you studied the Torah, but without any love, without any fear, without any intent, nothing bad going on in your head, but nothing godly either, then it will rise but it will only rise to the chambers, to the external aspects of the world above, but not to, as we'd say, the body of the supernal man, meaning not to the ten divine attributes of the world, and definitely not to the soul, so to speak, of the supernal man, meaning the light within those divine attributes. So to have your commandments fused with the divine attributes or even more so with the godliness within the divine attributes, for that, we need awe and we need love. But without the awe and love, it will ascend to an external chamber in those worlds. So again, this shows us, on one hand, love and fear are so important. On one hand, doing the commandments so important, because uh, love and fear without the commandment isn't drawing down the light we need. On the other hand, love and fear are so important because the commandment without love and fear, even if they're ascending, they're not really fusing with that inner core godliness that is necessary to create these unions only based on the quality of love and fear.